2 Samuel chapter 22, 2 Samuel chapter 22, and eventually we'll get there. It's one of those. How many here, if I started singing a song that said, my baloney has a first name? So we know there's at least one person around my age that has paid attention to good marketing. So bologna sausage or bologna or poloni is a sausage derived from and somewhat similar to the Italian mortadella. So the mortadella, you would also see all sorts of the pieces of the stuff in it that are all chopped up in it. With bologna, you don't. In case you don't know that, the USDA specifications are if you're going to sell something and labeled as bologna in the U.S., it has to be finely minced so you can't tell what it is. So just, so if you ever see something labeled bologna and you see chunks in it, that's, you know, that's probably not a good thing. Uh, it can may be made in the U.S. out of chicken, turkey, beef, or pork, venison, or even soy. October 24th, which is coming up, is the National Bologna Day. There are 1,632 people in the U.S. listed on waitpages.com with the last name of Bologna, or 88 with the last name of Bologna. So I don't know about you, but that's one of those last names I'd seriously think about changing. It is a popular breakfast food in Newfoundland and served fried as a substitute for ham slices. It's sometimes called a Newfie steak. Um, addition to that, uh, in America, where we use a lot of those aforementioned things, usually outside of the U.S., like in Europe, it's a mostly pork-based. Uh, in fact, a lot of people... Uh, sneak into America, bologna made in Mexico that has that high pork content because you don't get that here in America. So, and by the way, th- the only reason this has anything to do with the message is this message is like bologna. You can just slice it off and wherever you end up, we're good. We can end it. So uh, it's, it, you know, if it takes 15 minutes, we do the whole thing. And if it takes longer, we just chop it off when it gets close to the end. So that's this kind of message. So 2 Samuel chapter 22, we're going to look in verse 50, and we're going to be just hunting around the Bible tonight, um, looking on a central theme. So your pastor's probably talked about that there are different kinds of messages that you can do. And one of the messages you can do, I don't know, a wagon wheel or whatever you want to call it, is where you have a central theme, and you have all these spokes that come off it that support the wheel, that support the message. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight. So in 2 Samuel chapter 22, in verse 50, it says, Therefore, I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and I will sing praises unto thy name. I think it's really important that one of the things that we have uh, as part of our Christian life is the ability to say thanks, to say thank you. Now, most of us, depending on how old you are, your parents taught you the right way to say please and thank you. And then as we became adults, we, you know, forgot most of that. But your parents at least tried. Uh, depending where you grew up, you may have, may have learned how to say sir and ma'am when you were addressing anybody that wasn't your immediate family. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I had, uh, Grandma Grimes and Grandpa Grimes and Grandma Prestigord and Grandpa Prestigord. I had no clue what their first names were. I think I was like 20-some years old before I had any clue what my grandma Grimes' name really was. Now, my grandpa I knew, because a lot of other people, he was Ernie, uh, Grandpa Ernie, and uh, a lot of people called him just Ernie. So his name I knew, but nobody ever called my, I just never heard it. You know, it was always Mrs. Grimes or Grandma Grimes. So, I, you know, I didn't know it. Uh, let's turn over to First Chronicles chapter 16. 
And we're going to look in verse 8. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8. And it says, Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. So I know we're just looking at some Old Testament verses here, but I think one of the things that's very important for our Christian walk is to be able to tell the Lord, thank you. I think it's something that uh, ultimately... If we can get thanks under control with the Lord as one of our primary tenets of our faith with the Lord, a lot of the other things will come out a lot easier. It'll be a lot uh, easier for us to accept the chastening of the Lord. It'll be a lot easier for us to accept when the Lord wants us to do something. You know, when that still small voice comes, we're going to be able to hear it because our heart is more attuned to that. Uh, it's no different than uh, for those that are parents and have kids. We appreciate when our kids do stuff and they tell you, thank you, uh, instead of just expecting you as their parent to do good stuff for them. It, it's a matter of good character uh, as an individual. And we're going to look at some things tonight that we should give thanks for according to what the Bible says. So let's go to First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34. And it says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. We should first be thankful that the Lord has eternal mercy. I don't know about you, but there are some times in my life, especially as a young Christian, where I had doubts about whether God could really forgive me for some of the stupid things that I'd done. Especially things that I did after I got saved. Not so much before, because, you know, you, you just did stuff and you were dumb. Uh, you're, you ignored your conscience. But once you got saved, there becomes a point sometimes when you look back and you think, you know, how much mercy God has for us that when he saves us, he forgives us for all of the sins we'll ever commit in our entire life. He already knows what they are. I don't even know what they are. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow that's going to be necessarily wrong and against God. But he already knows. And his mercy endures forever. There's no end to that mercy. There's nothing like that that we have any correlation to. You know, you may have had great parents that taught you some great characters and, and they did just about everything perfect. Um, but probably in your life, you can look back to some circumstances where your parents maybe didn't have the greatest amount of mercy towards you. Uh, maybe, you know, you did that one thing that triggered your mom. Uh, you know, or you did like for me, I'll give you a good example of, of one for me is many times going into my kid's bedroom at night as the, you know, dad, after they're all asleep, cause you don't want to wake them, making sure the windows are locked, you know, just making sure everything's okay. And you find out there's a landmine of Legos all over the floor. And of course you're going in there barefoot and it's dark and you don't want to turn the lights on cause you don't want to wake the kids up. Cause then they're, who knows how long they're going to be up. And so we have this issue of you step on there and you know that feeling. You know exactly what it is. You can probably even by how sharp and pointy it is, tell you, what. oh, that's a two-piece Lego. You know, with the two little circles on top. Oh, no, that's a six one, you know. Or no, that one goes across my foot. It's one of those long pieces you put on top to make the building. You know, something like that. Um, I can tell you that I was not thankful for those Legos. When that, when that happened, not only that, I wasn't really overly thankful for the children who did not clean up their room like they're supposed to before they go to bed. But God's not that way. There's nothing you can do. Even if you did something wrong and turn around, did the same wrong thing. Two seconds later, God's mercy is still available. And it's something we should be thankful for. 
Um, let's look on to the next one. Second Chronicles chapter 31. Second Chronicles chapter 31. And we're going to look in verse two. And Hezekiah appointed the courses of the priests and the Levites after their courses, every man according to his service, the priests and the Levites for burnt offerings and for peace offerings to minister and to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the tents of the Lord. So the first thing I want you to see in this verse is thanks and praise are two different things. You can praise the Lord, but praising the Lord is not thanking the Lord. I know we got a lot of people in this day and age that want to praise the Lord and they want to suck a mic and they want to sing some little song like Kumbaya or whatever. And they're somehow thinking this is thanking and praising the Lord. And we're not, we don't see that in the scriptures. And the first thing we see, you cannot have real praise if there's not any thanks that go first. It's thanks first, then it's praise. You thank him for what he's already done. And then you praise him not only for what he's already done, but what he's going to do and what he's done that's eternal. See, that's the whole big difference. You know, your parents may be great. Uh, your grandparents may be great. And they may have done a whole bunch of things for you. But it's different when you're talking about God as an eternal father. He's always good. He's always right. And he's always going to take care of you if you let him. You know, it's kind of the old saying. It's like I tried to tell my my boys, most specifically, the girls kind of, I think, just knew better inherently. It, maybe it's a difference in boys and girls. Maybe it's just mine. But I told them, you know, God has this like umbrella or hedge of protection that he puts over you. You don't want to go outside of that. You know, it's great when you can look up and you have God's protection, you're in a good spot. What you don't want to go is get mad at God and go, you know what, I'm going to walk over here and, you know, God's protection's over there and I'm standing out here all by myself. You don't want that. Well, one of the great ways that you can help with that is if you have a thankful heart, you're not going to have to worry about that. You're never going to have to. If you truly have a real thankful heart, a lot of the other issues of life, you know, you're not going to have a problem with them because you're going to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, thank you. I, You know, one of the great things you can do in your prayer life is start off your prayer with just thanking God for what he's done for you. And sometimes that thanking for what he's done for you, you can still thank him again for what he did in the past. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that you love me enough and that you gave me the opportunity. And sometimes for some of us, it wasn't the first time that we got witnessed to that we got saved. Thank you for sending somebody else. Thank you for not giving up. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you helped me through this time of difficulty. Uh, thank you for answering this prayer request. Um, we need to be, we need to have that heart thankfulness first. Then it becomes a lot easier to praise the Lord. It's a lot easier if you've got a thankful heart to come in and sing a song and say, praise the Lord, lift up the Lord, magnify him, glorify him, talk about what he does. When you have that thankful heart, it's so much easier to praise him. Uh, let's turn over to Nehemiah chapter 12. Nehemiah chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 40. And here Nehemiah is talking. He says, And so stood the two companies of them that gave thanks in the house of God, and I and the half of the rulers with me. And then it continues on. But the first thing is we need to know, you know where a good place to say thank you to the Lord is? Right where you're at right now, for those of you here in church. 
One of the places we should tell the Lord thank you is in church. And that's not just like, you know, thank you, Lord. You can do that. But if you're really thankful for the Lord, aren't you willing um, to just say out loud, thank you, Lord? Uh, maybe you're, maybe there's a song playing and it's a talk about the love and the mercy of God and you just put up a hand. Uh, maybe for you it's amen or praise the Lord or whatever it is. It's some way of showing out to God physically that you are thankful for something that he's done for you. Uh, for many people, you know, it's very easy to say, you know, thank you, Lord, that I can, I can stand on two feet right now. Why? Because there's some people who can't. Uh, thankful that I can breathe and I don't have to have an oxygen machine that I'm wheeling around with me wherever I go. Uh, thank you that, you know, I have so many freedoms and luxuries compared to other places that don't. I mean, just think about the fact I drove, what's an hour and a half roughly to go, come drive down here. You realize there are countries that I could be, I could, God could have put me in that I could not drive or move that far without the government getting involved and probably putting me in a jail. And it's not just one. There are large numbers of countries in this world that I don't have that freedom to move around. Even if I had a reason to go, let's say, you know, I had a relative an hour and a half away. Well, you just can't go. You got to get permission. There's a lot of things to be thankful for, and we should be thankful um, and praise the Lord. That thankfulness should also come out in our prayer life when we're not in church. But I'm saying in church, that should be a normal part of church services. Uh, turn over to Psalms chapter 18. Psalms chapter 18. Psalms chapter 18, and we're going to look in verse 49. It says, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. So we see right here, one of the places we should give thanks is when we're not in church. That means when we leave the church and we're outside this room right here, we should be thanking the Lord. Other people should hear us verbally saying, thank you, Lord. Uh, and I'll tell you what, you go to uh, some restaurant or something like that, and sometimes you'll take your kids and you'll sit down and you'll pray before your meal. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come up afterwards, and I'm not saying it loud. I'm just saying it just loud enough so all of us can hear it, that I've had couples and other people come by and say, thank you for praying before you ate uh, I've had, you know, and then there are times like if you teach your kids well and you take them to a restaurant and we had six kids. I don't know about you, but most of the time when you show up in a restaurant and you have six kids and you're going back to an area like at Olive Garden, you know, where it's like roomed off, you can see everybody else's eyes go, oh no. It's one of those large families. Who knows what these kids are going to be doing? They're going to be dancing on top of the tables, screaming and yelling, having fits. And we just came here to have a nice dinner. You know what will happen is you teach your kids that, look, you have to behave the same way in a restaurant that you have to behave at home. We didn't let our kids get up on the table. We didn't let them act out while we were eating food at home. So when we went to the restaurant, they learned, guess what? The rules don't change. You know what happens with people around that? They see that and they'll come up and tell you, thank you. We appreciated the fact that we could have our meal in peace and quiet and enjoy this that we're paying for, and your kids were not the center of entertainment or distraction for everybody. You know what? 
I'm thankful for the kids that I have from God. Uh, you know, their, their parents are a little bit questionable, but the kids are pretty good. But that thanks goes a long ways. And that thankfulness means also from one brother to another brother. You should be able to say thank you to another brother in Christ in front of the lost. Why? Because how many times do you hear other people in the outside world saying thank you for things? You know what? It could be something simple. They get the door for you. Thank you. Uh, you know, they run an errand for you. Thank you. It, it, it's not hard to say thank you. It doesn't make you less of a person to say thank you. Uh, that's between husband and wife. That's between kids and parents and parents to kids. We should all be able to say when we ask somebody to do something, they do it to say thank you. If they do something just out of the goodness of their heart to say thank you. I mean, if, if, if we're so, if we're really thankful for what God has done for us, it should be no big thing for us to have that heart to be thankful for what other people do for us. It really, it shouldn't be a stretch. It shouldn't be a complication. It shouldn't be a difficulty. It's, it's because of that goodness of God and everything else that made us thankful that we should turn around and want to show that to somebody else. There, there should be something inside us that wants us to let other people know, you know what? I'm so thankful for God and what he's did to me. You know what? And I you're helping me out. I want to let you know. Thank you. Thank you. Why? Because to some lost people, just saying thank you may go, well, why are you different than everybody else? Why, why are you saying thank you? You know why I'm thankful? Because of what God did for me. It may give you that opportunity to be right into witnessing to him. Uh, let's turn over to Psalms chapter 30. Psalms chapter 30, and we're going to look in verse 4. Now, I want you to know there's there's all sorts of different words for thanks in the Bible. We're primarily looking at the word just thanks, uh, except for one case. We're going to look at for thankful. I think it's thankfulness. Um, but in Psalms chapter 30 in verse 4, it says, Sing unto the Lord all ye saints of his and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. We should be thankful for his holiness. We should be thankful that we have a holy, righteous God. We don't have a God like all the rest of the world does because you're of your father, the devil, the God of this world, right? He's not holy. He's not righteous. We know one thing. God is always good and God is always right. That changes a lot of things when we're having difficulties in our life and we're having struggles and things aren't working out. We have the ability to go back and remember, you know what? The God that I have is holy and righteous. I can be thankful for that. I can be thankful that he's not like me. Because there's been many times in my life when there are circumstances, uh, you know, dealing with people or dealing with kids and your inner frustration and anger and all this other stuff comes out. You may have all the best intentions in the world, but they're the one person that just puts that one layer, you know, that one piece of hay on top of your hate pack. And you go, I can't take it anymore. And you just vent all over them, right? No matter what you do, even if you do something against a holy, perfect, righteous God, he never comes back at you out of revenge, out of anger because of, well, that's the, that's the the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, God's now going to be angry with you and make all these bad things happen to you and hate you and all of a sudden, that's not our God. We have a holy, righteous God. Now we don't always understand some things. I can tell you as long as I've lived, I've seen some things happen to some good people that I don't understand. 
You know, I've seen some people, we can look at Pastor Ken and he, you know, let's look at this last over a year that he's been going through stuff. I can't tell you why. What I can tell you is I know we have a holy, righteous God and that sometime, whether it's right away or sometime down the road, both him and his wife are going to look back and say, I can see God's hand in this and I know why God did this. Now, sometimes God doesn't give that. We'll have to wait to the end. But I know that when it comes to the end, no matter what happened in our life, no matter how difficult it was, how painful it is, how soul just tears your soul up a thing is, God is going to show you, I did this for you. I did this for your best. You know, maybe it's somebody where you have a loved one and God take them home early. And God's like, I took them home early because if you would have seen all the pain and the suffering and the difficulty they went through, you wouldn't want them to go through that. Those kinds of things. We have a holy, righteous God. Turn over to Psalms chapter 95. Psalms chapter 95, and we're going to look in verse 2. Excuse me. Psalms chapter 95 and verse 2, and it says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. One of the things, when you come before the Lord and you're going to get before him in his presence, which is everywhere, but you get down on your knees to pray or you're standing to pray, you know what? You can thank him when you start praying for him. Have you ever thought how many times you've gone to God and you've just been asking for you? Maybe you've even been asking for other people. Uh, Here's a challenge for you. You want a really hard challenge? Here's a challenge for you. Here's for the whole church. Have a prayer meeting and here I'm going to give you one rule. You cannot pray for yourself or anybody else you know or anyone else that would be directly benefited by whatever the prayer request is. I had our pastor do that once. And then we're all standing around looking at each other like, what can we pray for then? I don't know. And it's like, you know, it took a while for people to really start thinking about how much we pray for us, me, myself, and I, how much we pray for the church or we pray for the missionaries the church supports, right? And branching out to, what if you couldn't pray for any of those and you had to pray to God for something else? One of those things is when we pray, how often do we come to God and say, start with thank you first. Uh, Before we get into anything else, Lord, I just want to stop by and I want to thank you for a couple things. I want to thank you for putting me in the United States of America. I want to thank you for giving me two parents who stayed married in my case. Well, after my mom's first divorce and all that. But once my my adopted dad got married, they stuck together and they're still together today. You know, there's a lot of people. I know people that live on my own road where I live back off in the, you know, the backwoods of Chehalis that I can. There's several families that they're a blended family. You know, this kid's here this week and they're gone next week. Or they're there, this kid's here this couple days a week and then the other couple days a week they're gone. Or this weekend they're going to church with the mom and next weekend they're with dad. I never had to go through that. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the fact that I never had to doubt my parents loved me. Now that doesn't mean I'd always got along with them or appreciated their choices of things of what I could and could not do and everything else. But as I've gotten older, I've appreciated a lot more. Um, and if I can have that appreciation for my parents, shouldn't I have more of an appreciation for my God, the God that put me in that situation? You know what? And maybe you grew up and you didn't have, a, a, you know, the Mayberry RFD growing up experience like I did, where I could just be a kid. 
And maybe your situation is really difficult. But God still cares about you as an individual just as much as he cared about me. And God has just as much of a plan for you as he did for me. And God wants to use you and your talents just as much as he wants to use me or anybody else that you can see in this building today. And part of that is if we're saved, it always comes back to a heart attitude. You know, one of the first messages I preached here was talk about the heart. And in your heart, you have an altar if you're saved and you have a throne. Jesus Christ is on one and you're on the other. So if you're on the throne, Jesus Christ is on the altar. If you're on the altar, Jesus Christ is on the throne. Now, if you're lost, hey, you're on the throne seven by 24. But once you get saved, you have the opportunity to do that. Well, one way that you can climb up onto that altar and put Jesus Christ on the throne of your heart is you start with thankfulness. It is so much easier to put God in charge of thing when you're thankful for what he's already done. When you're thankful for the stuff you know he's going to do. Um, those kinds of things. So when we come to him in prayer, one of the first things that we I just can't recommend enough is just tell God thank you. And it doesn't mean you have to make a 30-mile-long a list of thanks. Just pick one thing. You know what, Lord? Thank you for blue sky today. Uh, this is the Pacific Northwest. It is no longer summertime. It is in the 70s, and there's blue sky. Praise God. And guess what? It's supposed to be that way tomorrow. Of course, then it's going to end, but, you know, you got to take the benefits as it is. Turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to look in verse 10. And Daniel's a great character. It's a great book of the Bible. I like reading it. Uh, I like the prophecy in it. Uh, I like the parallels to the kingdoms that were back then and the ones that are now. But Daniel has so much more about practical living, too, as well, as we're going to look here in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Now Daniel knew when the writing was signed, this was a decree that the only thing you could worship was the king. He says, He went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knee three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. In spite of the fact that the government came down with its regulation, says you cannot worship God, he left his windows open and he still did the same thing he did before the law as he did after that law. And one of those things that he did when he was praying was give thanks unto the Lord. So if Daniel in this particular situation, understanding how Daniel grew up, Daniel was part of in some way, shape or form. He was, you know, an up and coming person in Jerusalem. He was one of the nobility uh, in some way. He was a high-tier kid. He was smart. He had a lot of talent. So when they came in and hauled all these kids off, they looked for kids like that. They said, okay, we're going to take your best and brightest, and we're going to train them with all of our knowledge and education. And Daniel, even at that young age, said, you know what? I want to do things the way God would have me to do it. And one of the things that we can see with Daniel most of the time in his life, because he wasn't perfect either, but we can see that thankfulness that he has. And he talks, he knows what's coming. There's already a judgment out there. He knows people are coming after him. And he says, you know what? It's more important than I do what God told me to do. And it's more important that I keep doing what God wants me to do and to keep having that heart of thankfulness. Turn over to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. We're going to look in verse 36. Matthew chapter 15, verse 36, it's a very familiar uh, 
uh, part of scripture. I'm sure your pastor's probably preached on it more than once or mentioned it more than once. And it says in here, and he took the seven loaves and fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave them to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they did that. And they that did eat were 4,000 men besides women and children. So one of the things I, I would say here we notice is that give thanks for your food. Give thanks for your food. Uh, you can even go, you know, you can take this as far of you as you want. If you go down to the, uh, what's the store down here that your daughter worked in? What? Yeah. So if you go there and you go in and you buy a candy bar, it is perfectly okay to go, Lord, thank you for this candy bar. Unwrap it and just pig out. Now, I'm not saying you have to take it that detail, but I'm saying one of the things that we have that opportunity is to say, to give thanks for the food that we have. You know, give thanks for that we have that opportunity. I was talking to my son who lives in Serbia right now, and there, that world there is a lot different than it is here. You buy pretty much what you need for food that day. You go down to the market, but they don't have a big grocery store like that that has everything. You, when you want meat of some kind, you go here. You want meat of another kind, you go there. You want bread, you go to the bread store. You want veggies, you go to the veggie stand. You, you get those things, and they have very small fridges, so they don't keep all the stuff. It's not like our fridge at home. You know, we've got... This and that and leftover parts of meals and, you know, it's always fun. I had six kids. I've only got two girls and my parents and the parents and I have a full fridge. I've got a freezer outside and I've got a small fridge in the house for overflow and they're still all full. I don't know how we do it. But one of the things is it doesn't matter what I pull out to eat. I can go, you know what, Lord, thank you. Just thank you. It's good to remind other Christians to say thank you for just something as simple as food. I mean, if you want to, you know, open up a water and say, you know what, thank you, Lord, and drink water, God bless you, go right ahead. I'm not talking something that where I'm trying to put some legal thing over people that you have to give thanks for every single little thing you do. That's not at all. And if that's your motivation, you've already lost. The goal is what's on the inside of their heart is that thankfulness for what God did to you. He saved you a sinner who did not deserve to get saved. And he gave you eternal life and he's forgiven you for everything you're going to do wrong in your life. You got to be able to say thank you. And then as you get older, if you pay attention and you see how God moves in your life and he does things, it should be no big deal to tell the Lord thank you, even for something as simple as food. Um, continuing on, let's go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, and we're going to look in verse 4. And Luke chapter, or sorry, verse 16. And in this case, it says, And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. This is talking about a Samaritan in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. If a Samaritan, somebody who's not even a Jew, this is a, this is a Jew-Gentile mix. That's what a Samaritan is. I think the Jews probably hated Samaritans worse than they hated Gentiles. They expected, you know, Gentiles to be whatever. But these were Samaritans. They were like pretending to be Jews. And here in this particular case, he falls down on his face at his feet. There should be some times in your life where you fall down on your feet, uh, your face before God. Not because you have to. 
but because you are so thankful for what God did to you, that God did something where you, he does, you know, in your heart, he should have just slapped you upside the head, maybe two, three, four times and six ways from Sunday, whatever the case may be. And he goes, what? He just gives you a blessing instead. And it makes you so ashamed that there's some times in your life you ought to fall down on the ground and just tell God, thank you. I don't deserve it. I'm sorry. But we should be able to be to have no problem to put the flesh down when it comes to thanking the Lord. And let's face it, we do. Uh, maybe you don't have that problem, but there are times that I do. There are times where I, you know I really don't want to pray in front of so and so while we go out to eat. You know, I. But what do you do? So what I uh, I had a meal with a vendor, and the food comes. What does he do? He's immediately started eating. What am I doing? I could act just like him. Well, what I do, I can't do that. If for no other reason I want to have a good testimony in front of him, there's something different. And that is, you know what, I may just bow my head and very quietly say a prayer to ask the Lord to bless the food. We should be able to tell the Lord thanks no matter who's around. And the last thing in the world that should stop us from telling the God thank you is our own flesh. And then sometimes it's the hardest thing we have to fight and telling the Lord, thank you. Why? Because your flesh is going, yeah, but do you remember when he didn't give you this? Uh, do you remember when this didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work at? All these other things your flesh is doing, and sometimes with the devil's help, but usually it's just your flesh is all you need. Right? All these things that keep you some, from going to the Lord and saying, you know, Lord, thank you. It's a good thing in your life every now and then to just get on your knees and tell the Lord, thank you, and just praise him and thank him. And that's it. Don't even ask for anything. Uh, you know, when you think of little kids, what do they do? They're always going up to mom and dad, and I want this and I want that. And if you're going through the grocery store and you're coming down the final, uh, you know, eighth inning stretch, and you're coming down there, what do they do? They load that thing up with candy and all the other stuff. And we've all seen the kids that are going ballistic. They're like, I want this, I want that. They're grabbing stuff, throwing it in the cart as fast as mom and dad can pull it back out and put it back and all that kind of stuff. The flesh is a problem for everybody. It's not just a problem for little kids. The difference is they're a lot more honest about it. Usually the little little kid is, the more honest they are. When they're thankful to the Lord, they're really thankful. When they're angry at the Lord, they're really angry. We as adults, we try to be a little more prim and proper. It's like we may be angry at the Lord, but we're gonna, we're gonna put, we're not gonna act like it. We're still gonna come to church and all everything else and try to hide the fact that we're having this attitude. But that's the flesh that needs to put down if we really want to thank God. Because if you are not going to thank God if you can't get control of your flesh, it's just not going to happen. You're going to come up with all the reasons, all the excuses, all the other things. God didn't give me what I wanted. I prayed about this. I th- I was sure this was God's will for my life. And then it didn't work out and was a shipwreck. And it's like, that's God's fault. It's like, no, you weren't really paying attention to what the Lord said. Turn over to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, and we're going to look in verse 4. And this is Paul, and he's saying, and he's talking, he says, well, verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life 
laid down their own necks, and to whom I well, only I give thanks, not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. You know what we should be thankful for? We should be thankful for our brethren in Christ. We should be thankful for our church members. We should be thankful for our missionaries. We should be thankful for the evangelists that come through. Uh, we should be thankful for the people who have gone on before us that have sacrificed for us. You know, there used to be states in the United States that it was illegal for us to have a meeting as Baptists. Think about that. In the land of the free and the brave, there were a large number of states. In fact, most of them, it was illegal for Baptists to get together and have a meeting. Why? Because almost every state in the original U.S. had a state religion. And if you weren't one of them, then if you were to get up and do what I'm doing right now, you could be jailed, you could be flogged, you could be tarred and feathered, you could do all sorts of stuff. And our history books talk about it if you want to see them. Now, you're not going to learn about it in schools. You're not going to learn about the history of America. This, You know, everybody say, well, America was a great Christian nation in some ways. But most of our early church fathers, it's pretty sketchy on their testimony of being saved. They believed in a God. They're a deist. They believed there was a God. But it's a whole different thing to be somebody who believes God than to say, I know who he is, and I have a personal relationship with him. And part of that is when we look at this is there are some saints out there that are sacrificing for us. Uh, you know, your pastor and your pastor's wife, they're probably never going to ever say about it, but you probably have no idea how much time they spent in prayer for you, each one of you. In prayer, by name, mentioning circumstances in your life, praying God help them through this difficult time. God, you know what? There's some choices they have to come up there. Help them to make the right one. You know, God, this bad situation happened. They're like, please help them. There's that part. There's the other part that we don't always see is guess, guess what do you can do? When you have something really wrong going on, a lot of times, who are you calling? Pastor, I'm in the hospital. Can you come visit me? Uh, Pastor, I'm at home and I'm laid up because I was in an accident and I, I got hurt real bad. Can you just come pray with me? There's a lot of things that people do that we don't always recognize. And you know what? He, I'm going to be honest with you. He's never going to tell you. He's never going to get up here and tell you how many hours and how many minutes of prayer he's been in for every one of you. And I'm not saying he's got this list like... You know, A, B, C, D, okay, D, down the list, two more hours of praying for them. You know, it's not like he's keeping a list, right? But think about how much these people pray for you. Uh, you have missionaries right out there on that board that are praying for you as a church. When you send out prayer requests to them, they're praying about those specific requests for you. Uh, there are several missionaries on that board I know fairly well personally. I talk to when I can electronically. And I ask them to pray for things about things that are going on. As an example, my uh, daughter, Lene, got married um, to a young man down in Florida, and his dad is a pastor in Kentucky. His brother just had a little baby, and that little baby was just born two days ago. Yesterday, after doing some testing, they found out it's aorta. Where it connects the heart was too small. And so uh, I think it was last... It was either to this morning or last morning. They went in to cut that piece out and reattach the big part because they can't splint a little baby, you know, they, or shunts or any of that kind of stuff. So they had to cut it apart and put it back together. 
Well, I don't know about you, but if you're a parent and you have a big health issue with a baby, especially if it's your first one, you are freaked out. I'm going to tell you there is nothing like fear and trepidation when you get your first child, or at least maybe not for you, but it was for me. Because, you know, you think about you drive a car, you know, they expect you to drive and they give you this book and all these licenses. You go to the hospital, you're freaked out by everything that's going on, and then they wheel your wife out to the car with the baby in her hand. They show you how to get the baby in the car and they send you on your way. There's not even an instruction manual. There's not anything that tells you, hey, by the way, these are the things you're going to experience over this next year or two, and here's some helpful hints. No, you're supposed to just figure it out all on your own. And, you know, for those of you young ladies who grew up in bigger families and had to help raise some of the other kids, like changing diapers and all that stuff, you got you have a great blessing because you already learned a lot of things. When you're like me, I grew up an only kid. We got married. We had kids. I had to learn this, diapers. You know, there's a right way to put those on and a wrong way. And if you put them on the wrong way, you thought you had a mess before. (laughs) Or even if you put it on 100% right, the kid may have not liked what you fed him or what mom, you gave mom to eat. You took her out to a nice dinner. Baby decides, I don't like what you fed mom. And you pick them up. And well, you can smell them. I mean, let's just, let's just start with the first thing. You can smell them. And then you turn them around and you go, uh oh. That Velcro, you know, we tied that Velcro strap tight, but it made it out because the whole back is green-ish. And, oh boy. And then you're thinking about, and then, you know, like for me, my first couple were girls. So you get used to the whole girl thing. Then you get a boy. See, then you have to learn all sorts of other things. Okay, boy. Um, this is just waiting to get piddled on. It's just, you know, it's like they'll sit there and wait for you. So you're like, so one of the things I've learned just, you know, note to self for any of you out there that's your first time and you have a boy. Here's a cheating thing to do. You take them with a the diaper, you get them all cleaned up. And what you do is you whip that thing back and put it back over. So they get that cool air in. You put that back there and you just leave it there for a while and you wait. Okay. And then when it's time to go, it's time to go. You know, Donald doing that because the longer you do, it's just asking for trouble. So remember that when we do our hearts is, God's going to teach us a lot of things along the way. And a lot of people are going to be helped to you. I can't tell you how many people in the church family um, have helped me raising my kids with with some suggestions. Now, they didn't all work out. You know, they were all trying to help. If it works, use it. Uh, just, just point blank. I, that's the kind of point I'm at. It's like, okay, you want me to take what? This vitamin I've never heard of and it's supposed to make me feel better? Okay, I'll try it once. If it works, great. If it doesn't, well, okay, I did it once. That's good enough. You know, but we can learn so much from other people. And one of the things we should be able to do is be thankful for it. Praise God. Uh, you know, because there's just so much that other people learn in their Christian walk. Other people learn in their just life that we can learn from and go, thank you, Lord, that you brought these people in my life to help me. Because there's so many things when you first get married. Let's face it. I had no clue about the toilet seat. I didn't know that there was only one assigned position to that, and it's always down. And even now and then, every now and then, I still mess up. Like if I have to clean some mess up and I throw it in the toilet, I don't always remember to put it down. So what? I get in trouble. I can usually hear the sound, and it's like, I know exactly what I did wrong. <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. But think of how many people want to invest themselves in your life. I mean, that's what the pastor's call is. You want to know what your pastor's real job is, is to invest his life in you. 
to try to help your life be better, to help you smooth out some of the rough spots. When you hit those really difficult times to help pick you up. You know, when things are really going great, you know what? He wants to praise and be thankful with you. He wants to celebrate with you and enjoy those things. Uh, there's so many things that that's why it's called a church family. That's how God wants it to be. It's a church family with everybody's helping everybody. And understand, you may have, you know, one lady or one guy in your church that's got some hang up that wants you to drink kerosene to solve every problem known to mankind. Well, you know, just praise God. Be thankful for them. They're trying to help and just let it go at that. Right. Um, there's always exceptions to the rule. I'm not saying every piece of advice you get from somebody in church is good. What I'm saying is, are you thankful for the advice you do get and the advice you do use? Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, another thing I'll tell you about the churches is, be thankful for the church you have here. Because if you're not, just go start visiting some other churches. You know, I've been to many churches, a lot of churches, way bigger than any church that I've been in recently. And you know what? I'll take a small Baptist church any day of the week. Because most of those people don't know anybody. The only people that know anything are the same group that always sits in the one side of the church of this huge, you know, megapolis of a church that may have thousands of members. And yeah, you know, the 20 people that sit over on your side all the time. And that's all you know. And of those, you, you know, who knows how much you even know them. But when you do things, when you have get-togethers and you have the, the potlucks and all that stuff, it gives you an opportunity to really know people and for people to be able to help you. It is nice to be able to go, you know what? I have to, you know, let's say some, your fridge breaks and you've got to break the fridge and you got to get it out of your house and you got to put a new one in. I want somebody big that I can call and say, hey, can you help me? You know, I'll pick up the strap. I'll buy you some food, but I, I need some help getting this into my house. Or maybe you need some help with the vehicle. That's all the stuff the church family can do that can be such a blessing. First um, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. Uh, this is one that I am particularly guilty of. It says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever problem is going on in your life, you can have the victory over it with Jesus Christ. But you're going to have to do it his way. In his timing and in his power, he tells us it doesn't matter what sin easily besets you. God can help you through that. And uh, and look, I understand that there are a lot of things out there like drugs and alcohol that are extremely addictive. And I know a lot of people who have wasted large periods of their life due to drugs and alcohol. But all the ones that I've seen that have been truly victorious, that are leaving a, a, just a great blessed life now, you know what happened? It got to the point where they realized, I can't do it by myself anymore. And usually one of the first things that happens after that is they go, you know what? That means I need to show up in church. Uh, number two, I need to read my Bible. Because I'm going to have some things, you know, if, let's just talk real. If you get hung up in drugs and you hang out there a while, you're going to have some problems of some things you're going to see and some things that you hear that may or may not be real. You're need you're going to need God's protection. And the way you're going to need that is you're going to get need down on your knees and say, God, please help me. And that may be all you can say. Uh, maybe things are going on and you're seeing things and you're hearing things. You know what you do? Pick up your Bible and start reading them. Because if you start reading your Bible, some other things out there aren't going to want to be around in the same place. They do not want to hear you speaking the words of this Bible because this book has power. 
I can tell you this, there have been some times in my life we've had um, people live down the end of our road when they started developing our road. Uh, me and the kids went out and we were passing out little tracks and doing all the other stuff. We had the little bags and I went to, uh, gave them at this one house and we were coming back up the way and this guy came out and he was angry at us and yelled at us and said, don't ever bring this stuff around my wife and my kids ever again and all this other stuff. And he had some 20 something kids and they were into, uh, Wiccan. So it wasn't too long after that. One time there was something weird. The dogs are barking and we went outside and both of them were standing right outside of our, on the main road in the middle of the road. And they were hunched down, you know, a little squat leg, little thing, praying and doing whatever out there. I don't know about you, but that like kind of creeped me out. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. So what did I do? I went and got my Bible on my computer and I just started playing the book of Genesis and hit play and just let it go. And I didn't have it up super loud, just loud enough you could hear it. And I just let it ride. Why? Because I didn't know what they were doing, but I know one thing, whatever God they're talking to is not going to want to be around where this book is lifted up. And if, if I have something going spiritual, the first thing I always tell everybody is get the book out and get it playing. I mean, you can even put this book out and leave it open and it has an influence, but you really want to have an influence. You know, you, it doesn't have to be Alexander Scorby. You can get some generic guy that's cheap at the dollar store. It all works the same way. Just get the Bible out there and play it because it will help you. It will help soothe your mind. It will help straighten your mind out. (coughs) It'll do so much for you and you can get the victory. The only victories that we can't get are the ones we will not allow ourselves to get. That is the limitation. And you know where that comes from? Starts at the heart of thanks. Because when you get to your heart to the part where you can't be thankful, you're going to start losing a lot of battles. Let's turn over 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. God gave you salvation. God put you in the United States of America where it is still, for the most part, free to preach and teach the Bible. God put you here. And this unspeakable gift, understand what those words mean. Unspeakable gift that God even though you completely went against his rules over and over and over again, will forgive you for all the ones you did in the past and all the ones you'll do after you get saved. It's an unspeakable gift. The question, though, is with this gift is, if you're really thankful, what are you going to do with that gift? Because if you're truly thankful about this gift, it's like, Lord, thank you for saving me. What are you going to do with it? See, if I'm really thankful, let's say I could sing. Let's just, let's a fair fact, I can't. I've already told you all, I've confessed, I do not have the gift of singing. I do not even have the gift of making a, you know, a choice. I don't even think it makes to the joyful noise thing. Not even in the shower. But I'll tell you what, even if if I had that gift, would I go to God and say, you know, I'm thankful for this gift, and I want to use it to bless you and use it for your glory to show you my thanks? Or am I going to take it and go, I've got this gift. I'm a really good singer. I'm going to go make all this money. What are you doing with the gift that God gave you? Do you know how many young ladies and young men, they grow up in church, they have these gifts and talents, and what do they do? They take them to the world, and instead of using them for God who gave them the gift, they're going, here, devil, I'll do something for you. And that's unfortunate that we can't be thankful for God's gift of salvation 
enough to go, Lord, I want to do something for you. Hey, look, that doesn't mean you have to get up here and make a fool out of yourself in front of everybody. Because guess what? I mess up when I talk. It's only a matter of time once my start, my mouth starts talking until I mess up. I say a word wrong. I can't pronounce a name. I'm stuttering. I'm confusing words. I turned to the wrong verse. It's just a, it's a, just a ticking time bomb. It really is. But the issue is every one of you have talents and gifts. Are you using them for God? Or maybe you go, you know what, God, I really don't know what my talent is. Cause I want, I, let's just be honest here. I have not been upfronting talking people my entire life. I grew up an introvert. Uh, I can remember the first time I was ever asked to get up in front of anybody, and it was at uh, Napa Vine Baptist Church with uh, P- uh, Pastor Ken Bates. I don't know why he did it. He was stupid, I think. There was something wrong with him. And so he wanted me to get up. I had no clue what I was doing. I bar- I was so stupid. I- I'm pretty sure every single person here knew way more Bible than I even had a clue about, and I'm supposed to give up and tell people something. So I said something run uh, up there out of the book of Psalms, probably Psalms 138, 139, 139, I think, probably, something like that. I don't remember exactly. So I was up there. I had, I think, a long sleeve T-shirt on and shorts. Now, I don't know about you, but there in, in Napa Vine, there were some very old, crusty people in that church who were offended by my choice of apparel. Well, I didn't really know any different. You know, it was like a Sunday night service and pastor wanted other people to come up and to try to teach people to do stuff, right? So I did it. Uh, after that, I decided, God, I'm never doing this ever again. I'm an introvert. You know I am. I can't do this. It's impossible for a dummy like me to get up in front of a whole bunch of people and make even a bigger fool out of myself than I already am. Yeah, guess what? God has a sense of humor about those sometimes. Be careful what you tell God you will never do. Because sometimes he goes, do you love me? If you love me, you'll do this. Right? And I, like I said, I'm not saying that God is wants you to come up here and do this. What I'm saying is, would you be willing to give those gifts from a thankful heart back to the Lord? And say, God, if you can use me in any way, please do. That might be praying for other people. That might just be in a handyman to help some saints out in the church. One of the things our teens do is our pastor and tries to round up the boys and the girls, because sometimes some of the girls are better worker than some of the boys. And they will go out to some of the elderly people and help clean up their property or do dishes or just try to be a blessing to help in their lives. Why? To teach them a fact to invest yourself in some other people. You know, look at some of these elderly people that they've gone through a whole life. You know what? They may be the best prayer advocate you will ever get just by you going over and helping them one time. They may pray for you for the rest of their life. You don't know what's going to go on with that hard stuff that happens. Um, in Ephesians chapter 116, Paul talks about being thankful for other churches. You know what? I'm thankful for this church right here. You know, I've known your pastor and Mrs. P- Mrs. Pastor, or I don't know what, it, I know what the official title is, you know, her ladyship, uh, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, I've known them for a long time. Um, I really got to know them over in Boise, and it's been a good fellowship. You know, we've got to invest our lives of our family into their lives. We've gone to birthday parties. We've done other things like that, and it's been a great blessing. And that's something that we should be thankful for is the other churches around, because let's face it, I left Chehalis. There are no independent Bible-believing King James Bible with correct doctrine churches between Chehalis and here, you're the closest. 
I want you to think about that. Be thankful that you have this. It's an amazing thing to have that church. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul talks about having charity for others. If you, if God's done something for you, it should make you want to do something for somebody else. Um, there's always going to be people that are going to be in need. And that's never going to change. I mean, I don't, I, do you guys have like an email prayer chain here? Sort of? Okay. Okay, an app. Well, that's, yeah, that's way fancier than ours. We just, we email Mrs. Majors and she emails it out to however many people. Um, but that ability to just as a church be able to do things, to have those, all these talents and capabilities other people have. We used to have a plumber in our church. So every year for the teens, he would give two hours of doing plumbing stuff and you would bid on it and the teens would get the money for their class to do different things. Hey, that was a great blessing. Um, we got some plumbing done work in our household from him. That's a thankful thing to have these people, to have these talents that you can take advantage of, that you don't have to go, okay, we're going to play the yellow pages. Wait, that dates myself. Um, Google. I'm going to Google. That's it. I'm going to Google, and I'm looking up, you know, whatever. Um, it's nice to know that you there's you're not the only ones, right? One of the things our church does with your church is a lot of times our teens will go out to... Uh, Beth, um, Brooklyn, um, Washington, that you can't get there without going through a logging road. Well, no easy way to get there without going through a logging road. Why? It allows our teens to do stuff with your teens. Allows them to understand that, hey, you're not the only one that's in the fight. There's other people going through the same struggles that you are. They're, they're having the same problems and difficulties. Maybe not exactly the same, but, you know, they're having those kinds of things. Um. And well, let's skip down the baloney to the last one. And I want to choose you to turn to Revelation chapter 11, verse 17. This is the last one, and then I have a story to close up. Revelation chapter 8, or Revelation chapter 11, verse 17. And here is it's the four and twenty elders, and they are saying, uh, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Here's the nice thing. We know how this all plays out. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to reign as the King of Kings. If nothing else, if you have nothing else to be thankful, it is, no matter how bad it is now, it is going to get better. It's going to get magnificently better. It's going to get so much better that God says your eyes and brain and ears cannot even dream up what heaven is going to be like. You don't have that imagination enough to understand what heaven's really going to be like. Because why? Our God reigns. Yeah, he's not the king of kings right now. He will be. So we know how it plays out, and we should be thankful for the fact that we already know the ending. We don't have to go maybe. If you're living right now and you have a, I don't know, I'm not sure, you need to get that taken care of. You need to find somebody in this church that you can talk to and say, okay, can you tell me a little bit more about this? Because you need to know, it's, it's a no thing. I know that whenever I breathe my last or the trumpet blows, I know where I'm going. It's not even a doubt. It hasn't been, even as a, a young person who got saved watching a Billy Graham crusade on TV, 
I've always believed in eternal security, even though I was a Lutheran. So don't ask me how that worked out. That's just the way it was. Maybe it's just me. You know, everybody's got their hangups and their weird stuff, but I've always believed that God's love is eternal. I've never for a second ever, now I've doubted why God would want to love me, but I've never doubted that he actually loved me. And the fact is that he would tell you the ending. He's got this whole book of Revelation to show you the stuff to come. And do you realize that most of it is really bad, bad, bad stuff happening? You're not going to be here if you're saved. You get the get out of jail card. This is way better than the one in Monopoly. Because you win. Not only do you get out of jail, it's immediately you won. That's something to be thankful for. That's something to know. You know what? I know there's a lot of other people that go to churches in this community just like mine that right now they've been in church their entire life. They do not know where they're going when they die. That is the majority of churches in America today. How can you really be thankful to God when you don't even know if you're going to get to see him at the end? And God does. And here's my final point on it. In his heyday, it was said that every word Rudyard Kipling wrote was worth 25 shillings. Hearing this, a group of college students got together, wrote him a letter and said, we understand that every word you write is worth 25 shillings. Enclosed is 25 shillings. Send us your best word. A couple days later, these college students received a telegram from Mr. Kipling. The telegram consisted of one word. That one word, his best word, was thanks. That may very well be the best word there is in English or any other language. Gratitude and thankfulness are the most precious gifts we can have. And that's something that, let's face it, all of us together, we already have the reasons to say thank you to each other. Why? We're saved. We are in the same boat. If you're here tonight, understand God knew you were coming. God knew the message that I was going to do, even though it's a baloney message and you got most of it. There's a couple slices that are left in the Ziploc bag in the fridge. But nonetheless is God knew the message that I was going to talk about. And so therefore, if God knew you were coming and God knew I was doing this, there's a reason for it. And I don't know where that thanks is in your scale. Maybe you've got it aced. Praise God, then to be a help to somebody else and encourage them in, in being thankful and to showing that thankfulness. And if not, maybe something you need help in, hey, you know what? There's no easier way to turn to your buddies and say, hey, thank you. Turn to your parents or turn to your kids and say, you know, here, thank you for something. I mean, you if your entire day you've gone through today and you've never said thank you to anybody, I challenge you before you go to bed tonight, find somebody to say thank you to. Then right before you go to bed, pray and tell God, thank you. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, you know every single person here, Lord. You know the difficulties and the struggles in their lives. Uh, Lord, you know so much more about them than I will ever know. But I know one thing, Lord, your love for them is far greater than I could ever have, Lord. Um, your love for them is does not have words that describe the depth of your love for them. And I'm thankful, Lord, for this church here. I'm thankful for each person that came. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would bless them for coming, that you'd take them back home safely, Lord, that you'd recharge them and help them to finish out this week, Lord, and to look forward to the services on Sunday and to hear what pastor has been given from you, Lord, to preach and to teach about. Uh, Lord, help us all to lift you up and to give you thanks day by day. 
and to be thankful for the other people you bring into our lives. Uh, thank you for the things that teach us, Lord, how to be a better person. Uh, to be thankful for that boss that's terrible, Lord. So we can go, thank you, Lord. He's shown me some things of, that I should never do when I become a boss. Uh, there's so much, Lord, we can be thankful for. But the greatest thanks has to come back to you and for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's who we're praying through. That's who we're asking for all the help for these things through. The one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.